0: Welcome to this week's episode of Dylan's Podcast and Vlog. I'm Dylan, this is my podcast, this is my vlog. Thanks for tuning in. have been doing this every week share, uh, to share my journey as an entrepreneur and some of the things that I'm working on gives me a way to record uh, my thoughts. Who knows, maybe future generations of grandkids will listen to this, but in the meantime, maybe you're an entrepreneur running a business and it's just nice to hear someone else talk about the stuff that they're going through the challenges they have, the opportunities they're trying to take advantage of, um, because then maybe you'll feel like you're not alone out there in the world. Uh, my format's pretty simple: uh, just a little talking head for a couple minutes. I go through a couple of tweets that I've uh, posted over the past week. I crack them open, try to share some background about what I was thinking when I posted them, and I think I've got some good ones this week for you. Um, what can I tell you, just broadly speaking, though? A couple of updates. Uh our on-demand labor service, that's kind of my focus right now. And uh, I've put um, our online business valuation platform on the shelf for the time being, or um, over the next couple of weeks, we'll probably figure out what we want to do with it permanently. And I might, uh, I might just park that project, uh, and you'll, I'll explain a little bit more about that when I get into my first tweet and some realizations as an entrepreneur that I'm having. Uh, what else can I tell you? Um, construction business, transport business, pretty... Pretty busy, it's that time of the year. Snow is gone, or snow, let me look outside. Yeah, snow's disappearing. So everything's kinda full blast and it's a lot of fun. Uh, Made some changes over at our construction company and uh, the team of project managers we have uh, sort of have structured ourselves more like a law firm where everybody uh, does their own kind of book of business and we all just share back office. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, As an entrepreneur, it's always nice to be mentoring People or investing into other people's lives the same way someone or someone's at one time invested into mine. So that's kind of keeping us busy, and we're going to have a pretty busy season. And thanks to our on demand labor service, the reason we created it, of course, is because our construction company needed temporary labor, and it only made sense that if I'm going to build something, might as well turn it into a profit center. Um, You know, similar to Amazon when they decided to create uh, their AWS service. They did that because they were buying so many bloody servers for their platform that they thought, well, maybe other companies will rent out our server space. And for our on-demand service, it was the same general logic. It was, look, we need temporary workers. We don't want to put everyone on payroll. We seem to have surges where we need lots of people and then other times where we don't. So we spun up this on-demand labor service and um, turned our cost center into Fingers crossed, a revenue center that I think can really scale and really grow. So yeah, lots of good stuff going on, uh, but just busy, very, very busy. And um, as I work my way through my tweets, you'll kind of get a bit of a theme for where my my head is at. So without further ado, let's take a look here. Uh, The first tweet that I wanted to share was, I have a limited amount of time. I have a limited amount of skill. Therefore, I can only produce a limited result. A good entrepreneur is able to be objective and realistic about what needs to be done to be successful, then finds the people and the resources uh, to do it. And so to my earlier point um, about shelving one of my projects, I think, you know, we we tried to get a little bit of traction right out of the gate, and um, we did. Uh, we had someone helping us with that. It turns out that that someone ended up moving on to some other things and um, just decided, you know what, with our on-demand labor service and our other two businesses being pretty busy right now, maybe it's not the best time to take on like a fourth project. And so decided to put it on the shelf just for the time being and it turns out we've been contacted by another company who sort of sees what we're doing and we'll see where that goes. It could be um, an opportunity to partner with them, take what we've done and share it with them or come up with some sort of an arrangement where we can... Both get what what we want. But this idea of having a limited amount of time and a limited amount of resources, I think at maybe my age and stage in life, I'm realizing that I cannot do it all. I used to be able to. I'm not able to today. And so the the best use of my time is to be uh, really accountable to, first of all, my partners. And uh, Lisa is my wife. She's uh, an owner in everything that we do together. And so I've got to be accountable to her and uh, my oldest son recently helped me on a project. So I'm accountable to him. And then of course the teams, uh, that we have at both of our other businesses, um, I'm accountable to them. And so I can't spread myself too thin because if I'm the guy that's supposed to be leading the charge, if I'm the guy that has to say, that's where we're going, that's the hill that we're taking, then I have to be able to provide the support to do that. And in my previous episodes, I've shared that we made some changes over at our construction company to give our senior people more, um, autonomy over what they do. And what that's enabled me to do, of course, is now figure out, okay, where do I really help? I obviously help on the capital side. I help in managing the affairs of the business, setting strategy, and maybe picking up some of the pieces that our team, that we just don't have people to, to help out with. So that's working out really well. But this idea of a limited amount of time, limited amount of resources, and then trying to press hard on the business and say, okay, what are the things that I need to, to take care of right away to make sure that everyone's getting what they need and then what are some of the things, some of the activities, some of the tasks that I'm doing that really aren't creating value every day. And that's been a bit of an adjustment for me because it's not sort of how my brain works. I'm I'm, a you know, serial classic entrepreneur that wants to chase shiny things and I'm realizing um, that even though I've said it for years, doing 10 things at 10% doesn't equal 100, it equals 10. I'm now starting to see how because I'm the guy running our new startup, I'm beginning to really understand that lesson and that you can't do 10 things at 10%. You really do have to focus your time and your energy. And so thank goodness we've got great teams that manage uh, the businesses that I'm responsible for, uh, which means that I can focus my time on our labor platform. And I can already see in my change of philosophy, a real difference in traction um, in terms of, you know, I think things before may have taken, you know, what what used to take, Months is now taking weeks. What used to take weeks is now taking days. And I'm finding with a more focused effort that I'm getting a better result. Of course, that makes perfect logical sense. But if you're an entrepreneur running a business, it can be really hard to put into practice. So I don't know if that means anything to, to, to you if you're listening to this or if you're watching this. But I decided to tweet that out. And uh, let me just see why I tweeted that out. I think the reason I tweeted that out is because... Um, I think someone had maybe made um, a comment. Let me just see here. give me just a second. Oh, no, no, that was my thoughts. I think it was, yeah, I was just was thinking about it um, because we had, you know, some pretty big wins last week. And then as I got sort of thinking through why we, we got the big wins, it was because I was able to focus and take the limited amount of time, and the limited resources that I had and figure out a way to and have figured out a way to use them really, really well. But that leads me to my next tweet. and I will pull it up here and a fella um, had made a comment let me just pull it up on the screen here we go fella had made the comment that one of the most common and costliest mistakes a startup can make is hiring quote the right people instead of the most talented people early on and i replied and said and this is a little bit controversial i've gotten into some pretty heated conversations with other entrepreneurs who don't want to believe this but i happen to believe that it's true based on my experience but my response was the right people probably aren't right for your startup today. Credibility comes with a price and many startups can't afford and can't leverage it. Credentials matter when your startup is a business. Capabilities matter when you're turning your startup into a business. And so the general thought here is, you know, this is gonna sound, uh, well, it's gonna sound the way it's gonna sound. I don't think that really credentialed, smart, capable people work for small businesses. They either go out and start their own or they go out and find themselves an environment where their skills and their experience can be leveraged for their own benefit in the maximum, in the maximal way possible. Um, you know, said a different way, if you've got a PhD in something, or maybe you've got your MBA, you know, you're not going to spend your time trying to earn um, like a, a starting wage at a startup that doesn't have a lot of resources. You you really are going to going to work for an organization where you can get a lot of fulfillment out of your job. Fulfillment isn't just monetary. Um, I understand that. But, but making money has a lot to do with it. But also being fulfilled means having um, the depth of work to do that really manage, um, exhausts your capabilities. And for people that have put in the work, put in the effort, um, it's a very hard pitch to get them to come and work for a business that isn't going to stretch them, isn't going to grow them, and isn't going to give them um, a lot of upward opportunity as well. And so I think that that is just what it is. It comes from that old statement that smart people don't work in government. And I know that isn't true, but the thought that the, the, the re, where that statement comes from is that smart people go and start their own business to fix problems. They don't necessarily go and work for the government to fix those problems. And, and so on the back of limited time, limited resources, I think as an entrepreneur, or at least what I'm trying to do, and I have a real live example of it. Um, in our one business, it took 18 months, believe it or not, it took 18 months to turn over the existing team to get an entirely new team that performs at a very different level. But kind of here were the little in between steps. You know, we had a bunch of, I'll just say, average people, but average because our business was average. Our margins were average, our customer service was average, our physical location was probably below average. And so it's very hard to attract above average people when that is your environment. And as an entrepreneur, that was the environment that was created before I came along. And and the first thing I did is change the physical environment. So we gave the whole thing a facelift, gave people a nicer place to work that that reflected something you wouldn't expect um, when you came into the business. And then the next thing we did was start to, you know, we couldn't pay competitive wages because our margins were average. And because our margins were average, it means we could only afford to pay the average wage. We couldn't pay competitive wages. We couldn't be kind of at the forefront. And so one by one, we just slowly started getting a better type of person on our team, better in terms of a better skill than, than the than the aggregate pool. And what happens, or what I have found, happens, is that like people want to work with like-minded people. Uh, So like-minded people want to work with other like-minded people. So if you're really good at what you do, you want to work with someone else that's really good at what they do, because between the two of you, you can challenge yourselves, you can compete, friendly competition with each other to, to ultimately do the best job possible. But that also works in reverse. So if you're working with people that are not very good at what they do, you'll generally be working, you generally won't be getting better yourself. And so, in, our, in the one business, has taken 18 months to elevate and upgrade the entire team. In fact, we just need one more person at, right now. We just need one more person to round out the team before we make our big expansion. And, uh, but it's taken 18 months. And so finding the right people, it's not so much a knock against the entrepreneur. Um, I mean, you can argue against this all you want, but the, the proof is in the, the results of your business. And I can tell you over 18 months of having to change out our team. We had to get a better physical environment, above average. We then had to get an above average team. The way we got the above average team is we had to have above average margins. The way we had above average margins is we had to build some systems that made things more efficient for us because we couldn't afford to spend more money. But over time, little by little, little by little, everything now has gotten to above average, where I would suggest that we're actually really, really good at what we do and we are going to get better. We're now on a path to saying, okay, we can now build on a very solid foundation. And so finding the right people, that's going to mean something different depending on the moment that your business is in. Um, If you've listened to my podcast over these years, I use the classic example of an entrepreneur told me that uh, the, the sentence was something like, you know, we've had six con- or I fired. You, know, you said it with a measure of pride. You know, I've fired six controllers. You know, in the last three years or something like that. And I, I just stopped and I said, "Well, do you think that maybe it's not the controllers? That maybe it's you, or maybe it's your business, or your lack of systems, and your lack of leadership, and your lack of management um, help that the controllers need in order for them to do their jobs well?" And I just, I've just seen it time and time again over my career where you think just because you hired, quote unquote, the right person, that they're going to be able to really move the needle in your business. And the truth is, it's not one right person. It's everybody has to be right because people feed off of each other up and down. You hire a bunch of below average people, you're going to get below average performance. You hire a bunch of above average people, you're going to get above average performance. And To hire really, really smart people means you got to pay them a lot of money. In order to pay them a lot of money, your business has to be ridiculously profitable. To be ridiculously profitable, it just can't be an average business in the marketplace. It has to be doing better than its competitors. It has to have carved out a niche. It has to have really figured out who it's serving and how to charge appropriately for it. And so, um, just a good reminder, the right people... uh, can mean something different depending on the on where your company is at in its life cycle, and to not be disappointed by that. In fact, I get up every single day because I'm trying, even as the leader of the business, I really am trying to find people to replace me. I want to work with people that are, that are hungry, that are excited, that with my little bit of help and coaching and maybe some of the things I'm good at are good at, like systematizing and setting vision, they can come behind me and actually put it together in a much better form than I could have. So I get up every day trying to create businesses that can attract the right quote, the right people at the right time, but it isn't a a silver bullet. Your whole business has to be better if you want to attract better people. And better means it's not average. It's not, you know, in every marketplace, kind of the general rule of thumb is 80% of the business gets done by 20% of the companies. So that makes them kind of all average. Um, and the other 20% of the market gets done by 80% of the, of the businesses. And so uh, you've got to be a market leader. If you're anything other than a market leader, then you probably can't afford to have really great, great people working on a team. That's not to say they're not great as individuals. I'm, see, I'm speaking in terms of great in using their skills and their experiences and experience to contribute meaningfully to your team, to your top line, to your bottom line, to the way in which you serve customers. And so um, there's a whole bunch of things that have to come together, but I don't think there's any, there's such a thing as, you know, the right people, you know, that, that are just going to fill in every gap that your business has today. I think it's a process and when your startup becomes a business, meaning it's profitable and it has market share and has customers and all that sort of thing, then you start looking at credentials. But when your business is really young or if you're just a solo entrepreneur, maybe you have a couple of people on your team, it's capabilities that matter. So you need generalists when you're small, you need specialists when you're large, et cetera, et cetera. So that was one of the, the tweets that I had replied to. And lastly, which again, kind of dovetails on the previous two tweets, but it was, Let me just make sure I can find it here for you. Um, And here we go. So this particular, let me just pop it up on the screen. So this one fellow said, my product is cheaper than the competition. Is not something to be proud of. It means the competition, have a better product and people will pay more for it. And I replied with, price is the easiest point to compete on value is not experience is not provide a better experience which creates more value and not only can you charge more you are also harder to compete with and again on the back of hiring great people to do a great job inside of a great environment with a company that has great margins and a great experience for their customers all of these things make sense but at the end of the day price is not the best factor to compete on and i'm i continue to learn that and i been running businesses for a couple decades now, good, bad, otherwise, but price is not the variable to compete on. If price is what you're competing on, uh, in my experience, it means that you've not pressed hard enough on what it is your business actually delivers to the marketplace, because whether your business charged a dollar more or a dollar less, uh, the market probably is going to need the product or service that your business offers. And so it's just a function of who are they going uh, who is the customer going to use in the marketplace to solve their problem? Your business, of course, is trying to compete for that dollar, but price isn't isn't the best variable to compete on. If you can't add more value to the dollars that are being spent and can't wrap it in a better experience, then... Um, You probably don't have a winning business anyway and if you're competing on price you're just competing away your margins you compete away your margins over time it means that you then can't afford all of the things that a great business needs because in order to have a great business you have to be really profitable and in order to be really profitable you have to have really strong margins and so i won't give a finance lesson here Um, but this is a hard thing for a lot of entrepreneurs to to wrestle with because the easiest thing to to think about when you're struggling is, well, let's just offer better prices. But the truth is that might be, that might work like one time or two times, but over time you just end up competing away your margin and you end up working for nothing as the entrepreneur. So you really got to press hard and say, what other value are we delivering? Value typically is defined as the entire experience that a customer has. And if I was to give you some well, I'll give you maybe two, two, two mathematical examples. I know I said I wasn't going to make this a math lesson, but let's see if I can do this quickly. Uh, in one business, we simply cut a ton of G&A, uh, general and admin expenses, to make sure that our margin we needed on each job could be less than all of our competitors. So got cheaper offices, cut a lot of the admin staff away that we didn't need covid helped so i'm not going to take all the credit for that but we also had to come up with some systems we had to be more efficient in how we managed our time how we delivered uh, our product to our customer and on a one to one basis there's no way that our com- our competitors in our marketplace can compete with us even though we might be the same size or slightly larger and we did that because we've just become very very focused on keeping our overhead low and a lot of people say yeah but i can't do that i have to hire an extra person my Inventory needs to be at this level. I need physical locations over here. And okay, great. Then just keep going. Then go ahead and compete on price and watch how hard it is to manage your cash flow. Or you can sit back and go, wait a minute. If there's nine other businesses in the market like ours, how do we deliver more value? In the in this example, the way we delivered more value through a better price was to make sure that we could. Have a lower cost structure than all of our competitors, and if our competitors could beat us on a, on an opportunity, um, it's because they either priced it incorrectly, or they intentionally agreed to price it at the at that uh, particular point because they just needed the business. We're never in a position to have to do that because we know the cost structure of our competitors. Generally, know it, and we've just made the decision to just come, you know, make sure that we're at least half from a cost structure. So we can earn the same margin. uh, Sorry, we can charge the same price. So on a market to market basis, our margins look the same, except because our cost structure is half of everybody else we're able to make more money. So that's like one mathematical example for for someone that just needs to understand the the basic um, uh, formula behind it. But a different another another way that we were able to create more value and not have to compete on price is to uh, open up, um, become more available. So in our other business, typically it's a Monday to Friday exercise. We decided that in order to become uh, competitive, not drop our prices, but increase value, we ended up opening our, our, uh, our shop up for three extra days a week with a big shift. So for comp- you know, for, for folks that would normally, um, uh, not be able to use us during the week, they are now able to come and use us on the weekend when it works better for their schedule. So you know what we were able to do? Keep our price exactly where it needs to be. When everyone else is trying to figure out how to compete lower prices to keep customers, we were able to keep our prices exactly the same. But you know what else happened? Because we added more value by making the experience better for a percentage of our customers that may not have interacted with us the same way before, by being available Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, because we're able to, Create a better experience, we were able to create more value, you know what happened? We ended up attracting new customers. We had new people come to us, and those new people, we were able to actually charge a higher price to because they weren't legacy, they weren't grandfather, they wouldn't weren't with us for a whole bunch of years looking to get some sort of a deal. So price is the easiest thing to compete on, but it's also the easiest way to put yourself out of business. And if you're if the only thing in your head as an entrepreneur is let's drop our prices, let's, let's become more affordable. My suggestion is you probably haven't pressed hard enough on the edges of your business to figure out how you can either A, cut your costs so you can maintain your margins, or on the other, if you do drop your price, on the other side, the, the, the smarter move is to figure out how do we add to this equation? How do we change our business? How do we add something different to our business that gives us the ability to hold our pricing hold our margins in place, and potentially, if we're right, attract new business that helps us grow. And so it's really a psychology. And I've been there, trust me, I have been there. Uh, When I ran a mortgage brokerage for a bunch of years, way back in the early 2000s, you know, we were constantly, constantly competing for, um, customers because it's a competitive marketplace we would drop our commissions just to get the customer and then on some deals we're not making money but we kind of in my head i kind of reconciled and said well but on these other ones we're going to make money and at the end of the day it it was just a slow slow death in hindsight we did have a lot of things we were doing that added value it would have been no problem to turn business away for the customers that really wanted to grind away at us but that just isn't how i saw the market it isn't how i saw the business and today I no longer have it, had to close it down, didn't survive the financial crisis Um, and I could blame the market just like everyone else did but the truth is I just didn't run a very, I didn't run a great business and um, I was way ahead of my skis, I didn't have enough understanding of some of the things that I now talk about on my, on this weekly podcast and vlog but uh, price is easiest thing to compete on and if the only thing in your head is we got to drop our prices I would challenge you to say hang on a second how can we add more value by improving the overall experience and potentially, if we're right, attract new clients that um, we could charge even higher prices to for this particular value exchange that we're doing. Um, And then if you absolutely must compete on price, then it seems like to hold your margins, the only other thing you can do is make cuts on the expense side. And that means putting in software, developing new systems, new processes, new ways of doing business so that you don't so that for that same amount of money that you're spending, you can afford to drop it and still get the same result, which is delivering your product or service to your customer. So, anyway, that's where I'm going to park it. That's my um, that's my rant uh, for this week. Over my three over my three different tweets, um, limited amount of time, the right people at the right time, and that price is the easiest thing to compete on. So, hopefully, in and amongst what you've heard here over the last twenty minutes, there's something that's able to help you. Um, move on. Um, Like I said, make sure if you're listening to this to share it or like it or rate it. Um, if you're watching this give it a subscribe or a thumbs up but most importantly I do this not only to hear myself talk and work out my own thinking but to meet other entrepreneurs so I'd love to meet you if you're an entrepreneur running a business hit me up on Twitter where I'm pretty active LinkedIn is also kind of a good backup a good plan B and email works uh, as well so I'd love to connect with you hear about what your business is doing share ideas back and forth because as entrepreneurs hey we're all just trying to figure this stuff out no one has has all these problems solved otherwise uh, we'd all, be billionaires running incredibly successful businesses and business is really, really hard. And it's even harder to do it when you're alone. So make sure that you reach out and um, we'll see you again next week.